Now back to the Sun and Fun Radio deck, sponsored in part by supporters of Sun and Fun Radio. And welcome back to Sun and Fun Radio Chats from the Deck Live, coming to you from beautiful downtown suburban rural Lakeland, Florida. I forgot where I was for a minute. It's the last day of the event. It's Pol- not Polk our Polk County. Polk County, thank you. Polk County, state of Florida, planet Earth. Wasn't that a song? Polk Polk County Annie? Polk Salad Annie. Oh yeah. There was Polk County Line or something like that. We had Polk uh, County Line. An episode of sometime. The voices in my head are speaking to me. Shut up, voices, or I'll poke you with the Q-tip again. But it's not those voices in the head that are here now. The voices in my head speaking to me are the host of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast. And with no further ado, I'm going to go ahead and turn the deck over to you guys to let you do your Sunday version, your wrap-up version of the Uncontrolled Airspace. Uncontrolledairspace.com. Jack, Jeb, Dave, you guys are great. Take it away. Thank you. Thank you, David. Welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. We're coming to you this morning from one of our most favorite places on Earth. We are on the grounds of the Sun and Fun 2015 fly-in here at Lakeland Linder Airport in Lakeland, Florida. And uh, it's just a it's a wonderful place, especially. It's actually a cool place all year round. I've visited a couple times when the fly-in wasn't happening. But it's especially nice during this week when all of this aviation activity is happening. I'm Jack Hodgson, and I am uh, joined here by my two very good friends and, and, and partners in crime. Uh, who uh, we're going to kind of wrap up the uh, the week a little bit here. Uh, with me here is uh, Dave Higgin. Hi, David. How are you doing this morning? Doing lovely. It's been a wonderful, productive, and fun week. Yeah. And Jeb Burnside. Hi, Jeb. Hi. How are you? I'm good. good. I'm good. So uh, it's the uh, final day of uh, Sun and Fun 2015, and uh, it's been a week. Uh, Jeb and I had to escape a little bit, so we weren't here all week long. But uh, Dave's been here for the duration and then some. You arrived a couple days before this thing even began. Yeah, came in last Sunday mm-hmm. uh, after a decompression visit to uh, someplace outside the uh, environs of uh, Sarasota, Florida. Yeah, So, uh, and, and that's partly a reflection of the fact that this is a special event for you you really enjoy coming tell us a little bit about your feelings about this flying well the sentimental favorite uh, uh primarily because at the beginning of my aviation journalism career this was the first major event that uh i attended working for a, a magazine and uh man has it grown over the years but it's not lost that character that made it so much fun back 30 years 32 years ago 33 years ago uh, and in the years since, uh, work's given me the opportunity to participate and attend and put air shows in places like, uh, Paris, La Bourget, Farnborough, Singapore, uh, some of the other conventions. This has long remained my sentimental favorite, uh, primarily because it's more compact than the others. Uh, and the attitude of the folks here, it's relaxed, it's Florida, it's in the springtime. We're all coming out of one kind of winter or another, and uh, it's a great place to decompress from that. Yeah, yeah, it's been a great week. It's been this is one of the warmer weeks that I can remember. I mean, it's always warm, but warm and humid and and that kind of thing. But it doesn't detract from how fun it is to be here. And uh, oh, we've had some great uh, air show entertainment. We've had a couple of jet teams here this year: the Breitling Jet Team, the Thunderbirds. Uh, a great night show last night with a spectacular fireworks wrap and uh, uh, 
had a little bit of damp weather earlier in the week, but since then it's been pretty much dry, it's been pretty much yeah. sunny. And well, dry in terms humid. of rain. It's been a little bit wet in terms of humidity, but that's just Florida and uh, part of its charm. It's kind of. I mean, it's uh, got a lot of lakes and it's got big bodies of water in three directions. So you, you kind of got to expect Yeah, that. that's fine. You know, you just kind of dress right and stay hydrated and it's not a problem. And, there you uh, go. Put on the sunscreen and... Get in the shade as often as you can. A lot of things, even today, final day, a lot of things still going on here on the grounds. And uh, so if you're uh, listening on the live stream and, and haven't been by, uh, you surely can. Uh, I believe the Thunderbirds are flying again um, today. And uh, so, uh, uh, you know, there's still a lot to be done here. Uh, Jeb, you, you've been away a part of the week. I don't know whether there's a, whether you have any sense from, from kind of watching Sun and Fun from a distance. But, uh, you know. about Sense about what? Jack? Sense about... <laughs> Dave's pointing at you like you got something to say. I, I, you know, I, well, you never introduced him. I man. think I did. I don't think you did. I well, we, you know, we'll go to the videotape later. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go to instant replay. Whatever, call, whatever. call New York. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's. I mean, there's several things I still want to see. You're correct. I've not been here. Uh, yeah. Um, most well, most of the week. Okay. Well, we'll talk about things to be seen a little bit later in the in the episode. But uh, um, you know, I just kind of wanted to chat a little bit about some of the things, some of the highlights this week. Dave, you mentioned the uh, two jet teams and. Although we all love the Thunderbirds and it's a, a great, uh, you know, uh, American asset and, and so forth, um, the Breitling uh, jet team was a real pleasant surprise to a lot of us. So what a what a pleasant, nice show. I mean, spectacular and and uh, impressive, but in a different way than the Thunderbirds. Yeah, they uh, they do a larger formation show. Uh, they've thrown in a few twists of their own. Uh, the L-19s are a little bit quieter than the F-16s. I don't think they have any afterburner, so you never experience that decibel uh, uh, hit that you can when one of the Thunderbirds comes right over the radio station here, uh, comes up from the south as part of the solo routine. Uh, they're both spectacular in their own right, but we've not seen the Breedling team here before, and right. uh, that made a lot of people stop and go, wow, I've never seen that routine before. I've never seen that maneuver before. Yeah, so. it was it was a pleasant show to watch, and uh, they did some interesting, different things that you don't always see. Um, one of the things that particularly stands out in my mind of the Breitling show was that they do a sort of standard bomb burst, kind of straight up, you know, vertical bomb burst kind of uh, maneuver. For those who are not familiar, it would be their the however many aircraft flying You're in formation. About that starburst thing where Starbur they pull up starburst. and peel out. Starburst is a better word. You're right. And so they they pull the vertical and they climb straight up, and then the formation breaks and they all go in a different direction. And you see. Group teams do that kind of a maneuver often. What Breitling did to make it different is, as they were parting, all right, they all set off the flares. They all shot off their flares from the from their jets, and so it added a little fireworks element to it. It was kind of cool. And it's really visible and noticeable in the daylight. Yeah, even in the daylight, absolutely. So that was that was a lot of fun. We enjoyed that show, and uh, it, it makes me long to see the Canadian snow, snowbirds again. It's uh, a similar kind of thing. Canadian snowbirds have even larger group of airplanes, but. Uh, uh, it was a. It was, it was good in similar ways to the Thunderbirds and different in good in other different ways from the Thunderbirds. We got a truck backing up right over here. It's Civil Air Patrol. We should get Tupper on them. Tupper was recently appointed the Commander in Chief of the Civil Air Patrol. Did you hear about this? Seriously. I'm saying this because he's probably listening. Oh, I want to hear from him later on. They don't really have a Commander in Chief though, yeah. 
Well, they they do, but he's elected to that office. Yeah. 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 Uh, What else happened this week? Uh, I attended the balloon launch on Saturday morning, one of my favorite moments here during the week. Just so spectacular, picturesque. Um, early enough in the day that it's relatively quiet and 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 cool, or, and uh, and we had someone counted at like twenty five balloons at one point. Um, it was a big number. I I counted eighteen at one point after they had launched and were off in the distance. Um, but uh, we had someone who counted uh, counted twenty five of them, and uh, so uh, a lot of good things happened here. And uh, let's see what else. David, you were scheduled all week long to get an airplane ride. Did that ever happen? No, that's too bad. Oh, well, next time. There's a, there's a You've ridden in airplanes before, though, haven't you? Yeah. Okay. I, I even came down here at an airplane. Yeah. But yeah. See, there you go. Uh, but but uh, let's see, what else? Paradise City. David, there were a couple of really wonderful, uh, legendary, couple, tr- three legendary aircraft sitting down there on the uh, ramp at Paradise City at the uh, uh, yeah, ultralight had, uh, LSA area. What, tell us about those. John Moody, who uh, is credited with being the father of ultralight aviation, uh, he brought his Easy Riser over uh, from South Lakeland Air Park. It's about seven miles south of here. Then he brought his American Eagle, American Aviation Eagle, which is a hang glider-based canard wing. And uh, then uh, uh, there's Chuck Slasarchik's very first CGS Hawk, mm-hmm. which in 1982 here was uh, named the best ultralight design. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a year I flew a Hawk for the first time and uh, was fortunate enough to be among Chuck's first 100 people to solo in it. Well, they brought it out of the museum. It's been up there in Paradise yeah. City. It's going to go into restoration to bring it back into airworthy condition and go back on display. But it was kind of a nostalgia trip for a whole bunch of us old hands from the ultralight area. To see that airplane there all these years later. Uh, that was even a treat for me. I've seen CG, I've seen Hawks before, um, but I've never seen that particular uh, legendary Hawk. Now, did I understand correctly? Have you you've flown that particular airframe? or That particular airplane. Yeah. Here in 1982, the year that it was introduced mm-hmm. here at Sun and Fun. Uh, it's a cool, it does. So the, the John Moody airplanes are, are, are very, very cool, legendary, but they look like vintage aircraft right the uh, hawk, they both look like hang gliders that were adapted exactly to fly right on motors. exactly right the hawk really looked still to this day is a cool looking airplane uh it's a straight three-axis conventional you know, high-wing tail wheel airplane some nice lines and it just and, happened uh, to use uh a design and technology and materials that let it come in at about 250 pounds mm-hmm, yeah and uh chuck who also patented the reduction drive system that uh, helped make ultralights uh, more viable. Uh, he put his system on that airplane, and it, everybody was in awe. It's got three-position flaps, regular stick, rudder, totally conventional. And up to that point, that was a little bit unusual in ultralight aviation because of the fact that so many designs had been adapted from hang gliders. Mm-hmm. So we had, for example, the early Quicksilvers, had no ailerons or spoilers, and the rudder was controlled by moving the stick right and left, and then you had an elevator for pitch, mm-hmm. but you had no other roll control other right. than that elevator. Uh, that For the guys that were coming from regular airplanes, that was a bit of an issue. Uh, and then they added spoilers, but the spoilers were controlled through the pedals. So uh, Chuck... Put an end to that by making a straight three-axis 
controlled airplane, very conventional. Uh, he told us here back in those uh, days that the t- toughest technological challenge of that design was coming up with a machine, creating a machine that would put the same curve into that long tube of a fuselage that uh, supports everything because it's all curved until you get after the uh, engine and then it straightens out and, and runs to the tail. So when the tail comes up, it's sitting right in the prop blast. It's sitting in the prop blast on the ground, but when it's level, it's all in one line like a Cessna with a curved fuselage coming up to it. And yeah, very cool. It works really well. Very and cool. uh, there's a lot of them still flying today. Now, what's the in, in the plans for that airframe? They're going to restore it, or are they going to put it in a museum, or what's the story? They're, they're first, they're going to restore it, and then uh-huh. it's going to go back on it on exhibit. Uh, whether it flies again here, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, we're joined now in our virtual hangar by a couple of... Uh, couple of good friends of the podcast here uh, <laughs> who here and after will be known as the the bad boys of ucap and by the way the i include chapters. i include higdon i include you in this group okay <laughs> that these three guys are the bad boys of uncontrolled airspace because the other day wow, i got out of that didn't i yeah That's Lucky the other day, right well no but you'll see why because the other day all right anybody who's up to date on the uh, f- on the stream on listening to uh, our episodes um, know that uh, somewhat an anomalous episode appeared in the stream a couple of days ago because the day that I was away from the grounds, uh, these guys took it upon themselves without notifying me almost forever, all right, that they were going to produce a daily episode, all right? And so they found themselves a digital recorder and sat down and and mocked me mercilessly, all right? <laughs> this this will teach you not to miss a yeah. day of sun so, and fun. Uh, so they, uh, th- this is a Jim Goldman uh, and uh, Larry Overstreet and Dave Higdon, the bad boys of uncontrolled airspace, and uh, that would be the hijack episode. The hijacked episode. We've, right? we've said hijack for so many years. We just finally had to put yeah. it into practice. So uh, all kidding aside, it was very cool. I was a little shocked when I found out this had happened, uh, but then I listened to it and said, "Oh, well, that's not so bad. All right, we'll put that on the stream." And uh, and <laughs> well, we did. The credit belongs to to uh, Larry and Jim for this because this was their brain. Don't try and throw away the, the blame and, here. Uh, right? You're in this. We were hanging out at the flight design tent. Yeah, uh, I'd been visiting with some old friends out there and 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 jim and larry were ogling the c4 and yep. looking at some of the other stuff Beautiful and, airplane. So, and then we got off the side and said is it you know it, will there be a daily here today if if jack's gone i said well we did an extra one the other day yeah said, so we should do one but so we should do one jim and larry welcome to uncontrolled airspace um for now that's the end of the punishment um but this will come up at the next board meeting so uh there will, there will be no end of the grief you get for <laughs> turning your back and missing and not watching while we did this. Hi, guys. How's, uh, how's uh, Sun and Fun 15 been for you? What's, uh, what's been interesting? What's been, uh, been uh, fun for you? Uh, Jim, you start. Tell me what's the most notable thing you've seen or heard or whatever this week. Well, I'm going to come up with two. Yeah. Because I can't stop at just one. And one, one needs to be said. We've talked in various shows that are on the Sun and Fun radio station during the week. Uh, references made often to the Central Florida Aviation Academy, which is a high school that's funded and on the grounds of Sun and Fun. And there's a newer program nearby at Polk State College. But what I want to emphasize specifically and particularly to those who don't, are not aware of it, especially in our audience, we often talk about ways to bring more pilots in how to get people especially young people interested in aviation and grow the pilot community this has been in the aviation press since the 
1980s, since the 1990s, certainly. And there's always the, the follow-up, well, nobody does anything about it. Sun and Fun really does something about it. And I just, that struck me this week, that there is a program here that takes kids, young people, from 8th grade, I think, or ninth grade, through college and placement in the aviation industry, including all their licenses and ratings and all the rest of it. And if it, whether it's mechanics ratings or pilot's license, whatever. And I don't think that everybody walking around here and on our, on our podcast audience knows that, that this is an aviation program that goes from junior high school to college to a career. Yeah, it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing. It is. And I wanted to, I wanted to shout out to them. The other thing I wanted to, to, in terms of on the grounds here that I've seen that I really like, uh, I, I'm a high wing guy, and as Dave alluded to, I uh, like the flight design CTLS. Bought one last year. Um, if I were a low wing guy, the, the plane that's, that jumps out at me is the Bristel. The Bristel is a light sport aircraft, uh, which is on the grounds here. It uh, it's not a low. It's not a high wing. It is a low wing. It's a low wing light sport. If I were a low wing guy. It's, I, it's a cool-looking airplane. I, I would agree. be yeah. buying a Bristel. The Bristel has the most modern avionics that there that's currently out there for light sport. I've sat in the cockpit. It is incredibly comfortable. The fit and finish level of detail is really good. I sound like I'm selling the plane. I'm not. But <clears throat> I do use... You're not selling the plane. You're buying the plane. I know. I... <laughs> no, I'm not a, not a low-wing guy. But All I do right, want to yeah. give a shout-out to the importer, who's a friend of mine and who has helped me out on a number of occasions. And we all know that aviation businesses are small businesses, and people are always at risk in this in this industry. And uh, we'd like to help them succeed. And that's Liberty Sport Aviation in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, a neighbor of mine. Yeah. And um, they're out here sweating in the sun trying to sell Bristels, and they're a nice airplane. So I wanted to. I really think that was one of the. That's one of the more outstanding LSAs available today. Yeah. I didn't look at it nearly as closely as you did, but it is a very sleek looking airplane. It's it's very very attractive. It saw it in the air over there a couple of times. Oh, this I didn't week. see it fly. It the, must be the really... tricycle gear version, uh -huh. and uh, it's just a remarkable looking airplane in the air. So uh, the tailwheel version got my attention in particular. I agree. I would choose the tailwheel version. But, there, uh, yeah, there's also another. Uh, there's a UCAP connection on that airplane. Our uh, is there sometime contributor James Winbrandt uh, wrote a cover story article in Plane and Pilot magazine about the Bristel and the American, the, my friend uh, John Rathmel, who's the importer, is in the plane, visible in the picture on the front page of uh, Plane ah, and Pilot. Cool. Very and cool. about three times, like, Jim, did you see Plane and Pilot yet? Did you get that pilot, Plane and Pilot yet? Yeah. Um, two quick things before I let Larry talk. Yeah. You notice how he kept referring to our audience? Have you, did you catch that? I, 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 feel I, I didn't I Our didn't audience? That, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. The other thing is, I don't know if he's still within the sound of our voice, but our good friend Brad Mazzari uh, is, uh, we just said farewell to him. He came over and shook our hands and, and left us a pile of chocolate. God bless him. But man, I wish he'd stop. No, I don't, don't wish he'd melt. stop. But yeah, so we got a pile of chocolate bars in front of us here. Um, so have a safe trip home, Brad, and uh, we will see you whenever next time is. Larry Overstreet. So, uh, what's been notable for you this week? You know, it, I spent a lot of time here at the radio station and had a chance to meet a lot of neat people, and that was fun. The other day, though, uh, my wife, Mary Beth, over here, and I did walk up to Paradise City and took in some of those same, you know, aircraft that we've been talking about. Uh, the hawk jumped out at me because uh, I started going to, um, as, as I think you say, that other air show up the road yep. uh, in 79 and saw some of those same earlier. Uh, you know, converted hang glider type aircraft, but when the Hawk showed up up there, that looked like a real airplane, and it was so fun to see. You know, this one here, 
um, uh, with with the credits on the side of it. That's so probably forth. the same one you saw probably. at that other place. Yep, yep. Uh, so that was really a treat to see. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, as far as other stuff, new stuff here, um, I, I mentioned it on the you know the episode, but uh, the Sonics jet to me was really cool. Right. Um, and a couple things about it. One is that it you know following a typical Sonics uh, approach, it's for a jet really affordable. You know, I think the whole thing is 150 grand or something like that. Um, but the other thing was seeing Bob Carlton do his aerobatic routine in the jet, debuting that here. Um, and it's going so fast and the box is so small, you know, it's just kind of zipping around in, in this really tiny box. And it was really fun to see. It was very different from any other jet show I've seen. Yeah. yeah it's speed range is significantly broader than your average jet. Absolutely. Um, and the way it can slow down and crank those turns to come back into the air, uh, air show area. Yeah, uh, it keeps the airplane right in front of the audience the whole time. Yeah, it does. It doesn't it, have to kind of go off and turn around and come back. And, and it's supposed to up. fly again here this afternoon. Is so. it? Oh, yeah, oh, it'll good, be in the I, show this afternoon. Because I haven't had a chance to put my eyes on it yet in the air, and yeah. uh, I would like to see that. Yes, yeah, so, that is uh, the cutest little turbojet I've ever seen. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's the same one that's on the uh, uh, the glider that uh, that he flies in his uh, glider act as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Larry, you have been building a Sonics aircraft. How's that going? I mean, yes. I, I guess apparently you're sort of in a hold right now. But yeah, uh, build uh, building is um, uh, implies action, as yeah. I've said. And uh, so it, I have built parts, uh, wing, tail, so forth. Um, and I will build again. But mm -hmm. uh, yep. you know, life and work and all that sure. is kind of sure. keeping me. On, on the on the hijacked episode, we talked about the uh, turbocharged engine. Are you considering that for your? That's the engine I want to use. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty remarkable piece of uh, engineering. I mean, apparently it's not a a, a, a land-breaking, you know, landmark design. It's an, it's an idea that's been around, but applying it in that way to this kind of an engine seems pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the, it, it's and we won't, won't go into a technical description of it, but suffice to say, it's a slightly different way of doing a turbocharger that that works real well in yeah. that installation. And, and when you said it's really cool, it's also cool running. It, that's it's, that's, perfect, the, that's yeah. kind of the point, is that yeah, it, is, is the way it's designed, it helps it stay cooler, and that's a good thing for these things. So, uh, yeah. Um, but uh, And then real quickly, because we got to go into break here, um, you have some fairly uh, ambitious ideas about how you want to equip this airplane uh, in ways that maybe is not normal for this type of an aircraft? Yeah, so it, it's a, you know, it's, basically designed as a day VFR aircraft, but I'd love to have it be IFR capable. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like it should be able to, even for not hard IFR, but just to pop up through a layer somewhere sure, you're going sure. or whatever, just to kind of I mean, give a little us, more utility to it. Tell us what makes that tricky. Why is that that uh, a challenge? It's, it's um, really the availability of a GPS navigator that's IFR you know, certified. And uh, there may be some options out there that I'm not aware of, but you know, they're the big ones that you hear about. And then uh, it's a space thing. Yeah, it yeah, really it's is. It's also literally yeah. a space thing. It's not a very big panel, and there's not a lot of depth and so forth. So, anyways, hey, we got to take a break here. We're here at uh, at Sun and Fun 2015. It's a beautiful day here on Sunday morning, and uh, we're going to come back after this break and and talk to a few more people. But uh, in the meantime, you're listening to a special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on Sun and Fun Radio. Hey, everybody! This is Sun and Fun Junkie Jeff Sager. You are listening to Sun and Fun Radio, WPEP 788, 1510 AM in Lakeland, Florida, and on the web at liveatc.net forward slash SNF.
Welcome back to the uh, Uncontrolled Airspace podcast from the 2015 edition of Sun and Fun Flying here in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, and uh, I repeat, it's a beautiful day here. If you're listening live and uh, you haven't already been, you can still get on over here and enjoy the uh, grounds and the airplanes and the air show and all the cool people that are here. Jeb, didn't we just do this last year? Over and over again until we get it right. I, I, yeah, the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> <laughs> One quick bit of business here. Um, I, I would like to st- speak to our listeners, uh, anyone within the sound of my voice, uh, to ask a favor. Um, that is, we, we invite you to please support the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast by making an automatic repeating donation for each episode that we create. You can go to, uh, on the internet, uh, patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace, where you can pledge as little as $1 per episode. Uh, you'll get a notification email every time there's a new episode, and you can change or cancel your pledge at any time. With your support, we'll be able to upgrade our gear, pay our internet fees, and it will motivate us to do more and better episodes. So please, give this some consideration, and uh, if you're so inclined, uh, uh, make a donation there, and we appreciate your help. We're joined now on the uh, on the deck here and uh, in our virtual hangar by uh, a great another great friend of the podcast, a friend who uh, used to appear on the on the podcast from time to time, and then for some reason we weren't he hasn't joined us in a while, and we're glad to have him back. Craig Barnett is here. Hi, Craig. Craig is the uh, the founder and CEO of Scheme Designers. How you doing? I I always want to come on there. I I know, and it's just been bad timing, or I don't know what it's been, but uh, it's been a little while since you've been with us, and that's too bad because uh, you're we we enjoy your company. Well, thanks. Well, frankly, um, of all the activities I get involved in at uh, different shows, this is always one of the most fun activities oh, that I really enjoy doing. That's very kind of you. That's very kind of you. So what have you been up to? You've been busy. You're, 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 you're basically airplane paint scheme designer to the stars these days. Uh, you're all over the place. You're involved in all kinds of very, very cool uh, designs for aircraft. Uh, we certainly are. Um, we've continued to grow tremendously. Um, and we've been exceptionally busy, which tie- was also tied into a lot of traveling around, which is why you hear a little less of, of me at mm-hmm. some of the shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I seem to spend about half of my time on the road at the moment going to all these different shows and clients and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, we saw you at NBAA last fall. Yeah, well, we've always done NBAA, um, but we've also expanded a lot into uh, Europe. So we do two shows in Europe, uh, Aero Friedrichshafen, which was, last week, which was kind of a tough one, having sun and fun immediately afterwards. Oh, yeah, okay. And then uh, we also do one in uh, Sywell, uh, which is uh, around Northampton, about two and a half hour drive north of London mm-hmm. every okay. year. And we've done those for years now, and they've shown terrific results. We've had great inroads into the uh, European market, which is a whole different market and a different design philosophy and a different approach. They see their planes differently to the way Americans see their planes. So mm-hmm. we get to do a lot of different and interesting designs that sure. possibly an American wouldn't consider for their aircraft. Yep, yep. Not asking you to name any of your 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 individual customers, but you've designed some of the paint schemes for some various award airplanes and, and other public airplanes, too. Can you name some of those? Um, well, we have certainly done uh, numerous award airplanes at that of one all kinds of awards at Oshkosh and sure. Sun and Fun. And, and, and what I was referring to, though, was like uh, the organizations that give away an airplane every year. Um, oh, oh, okay. Well, let me... Uh, Those would be prize airplanes. Yes. Prize airplanes, excuse so, me. So uh, we have worked uh, on the AOPA planes. Ne- nearly everyone, not quite a few of them had just factory standard schemes, mm-hmm. but nearly everyone since 2000. Mm-hmm. 
right up to these absolutely gorgeous 150s and 152s that you're suddenly seeing. The yellow ones, they're beautiful. They Thank really you. are beautiful. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting. When I got involved with that project, uh, a friend of mine, um, RJ Siegel, uh, who's now uh, involved with uh, One Aviation, which is Kestrel and Eclipse, mm -hmm. um, he and I have spent countless weeks analyzing Cessna 150s. I have such a special place in my heart for a 150 because I learned to fly you in one. You learned to fly in one in I owned 150, one yeah. for five years as my first aircraft. And I left that back in South Africa and I still occasionally go and search out that aircraft on the internet just to have a look at it. Oh, yeah. Um, and we kept coming back to the conclusion that that was just the perfect train. And so we spent a long time analyzing it and seeing, well, what happens if we took old 150s and we made them brand new again? Mm -hmm. And so when Tom Haynes and Mark Baker asked me to uh, meet with them, and we started this discussion about training, and I was so enthused about 150s, I said, well, you funny thing is you will like the project we have on hand. And so it was the absolute perfect project for, for me to be involved in. Um, and I think what uh, Aviat has done as a partner in that program, rebuilding these 150s to better than factory new, but yet maintaining them as simple uh, trainers without glass cockpits and without all the bells and whistles that you necessarily see. So it's still seat of the pants flying in a really safe, proven aircraft. And basically it's turning out brand new Cessna 150s and 152s. And we've seen a lot of them go out to flight school so far. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them have gone out in our standard paint scheme, but we've worked for several of these uh, companies that have put these on the line and designed new unique schemes, so I know they're going out there. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're going to help train a lot of new pilots, yeah. and the cost of the aircraft makes it very affordable to the uh, um, companies that are, are taking them on. Yeah, yeah, no, I share your love for 150s and 152s, and, and those are beautiful examples, both visually beautiful and the way they've been set up and restored are, are beautiful aircraft. How many of them are there now, do you know? I, I don't know the exact number, so I'm not even going to There's like two or three of them here. There's three yeah. of them here, but there's yeah. quite a few out in the field working. And they've been they've been, been sort of assigned to various AOPA representatives and evangelists who are flying them all over the country to various events and, right. you know, I mean, everything from Sun and Fun down to EAA chapter meetings. And right. I think it's a perfect vehicle to promote aviation. And, you know, yeah. frankly, if, if it was my program, whatever plane I would be using, I'd be taking our planes apart and reassembling them inside shopping malls all around the country and really having people who just don't think about aviation look and, and, and touch and feel these aircraft in an environment where they're not forced to be the outsider. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there's three examples that I know of on the field. One of them is the sweepstakes airplane, Correct. which AOPA will give away. The other one is the uh, company airplane, company car, as he calls it, for our friend Jamie Beckett, who's AOPA's rep in Florida, and campaigning that airplane around the state. And the third is over in the Aviat booth, because Aviat's the one doing the refurbishment work mm -hmm. and bringing them back to yeah. new conditions. So they're so, really beautiful. Everyone should check them out either here or wherever you come across one. It is a very clever paint scheme. I mean, it's simple, but it's elegant, and it makes the airplane stand up. Absolutely. I said to Mark right when we started, I said, I, I'm so excited to be part of this project, but I'm not painting any of them white. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I want everybody who's thinking of learning to fly to 
component on that aircraft when they drive past an airport. I want to, I want to fly the yellow airplane. Exactly. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. that's great. Now, the other uh, paint scheme that some people that you design may, are maybe familiar with that hasn't actually appeared on a plane yet, you designed the three one-week wonder schemes, didn't you? Uh, we designed actually 14. Oh, really? And uh, the 14 were narrowed down to three with internal voting, and then they had oh. the final voting at uh, Oshkosh. So the final one was selected, but there's a huge issue there. Yeah, I know. It's kind of bittersweet that those beautiful designs may not get used on uh, the airplane. Well, the design is going to get used, but what I'm going to do is modify the design, and I'm going to uh, take all the signatures and everything and integrate it into the design. Oh, really? So that we maintain some of that um, home-built feel of the aircraft. Mm -hmm. Oshkosh-built one-week wonder feel of, of, of the aircraft. Um, and we don't lose that sense of history. Um, of course, signatures on the inside of the cabin and whatnot will remain. Um, but we go, go through the logbooks and start pulling out names and, and designing uh, the winning scheme around incorporating those names so that yeah. they're not lost. Well, I'll show you where my signature is so you can preserve that one. And That's then, the first one we'll there you erase. Go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, I actually looked and looked for my signature and my wife's signature. I tell you, I know I did something, but I could not find it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm told that it's a very common thing for people to search for their signature yes. or at least kind of try and remember which rivet so they can point to it. On, Absolutely. On I did that one. Yeah, so very, very cool. Um, I, I wanted to... Um, about one other great thing that we've done that's yeah. um, really interesting. Um, we've started building these really intense configurators for aircraft. We do a lot of the manufacturer paint schemes. And uh, you know, selecting the color is different from selecting the paint scheme. And so for Kodiak, who we've worked for since before they were uh, um, certified, uh, we built a configurator for them. And it's an incredibly fun tool on their website now that you can go in and select colors and select design variations and build your aircraft. And that's attracted a lot of attention. So we're probably going to be doing that in the very near future for many more manufacturers, creating these fun tools, like when you go buy a car, um, to, to make it fun to buy. Very cool. Where on the internet can you find that? At uh, uh, KodiakAircraft.com. Okay. I'm sorry, QuestAircraft.com. Quest, okay. Yeah. Quest aircraft. If you just search yeah. Quest aircraft or you search the Quest and code, yeah. Click around, you'll find yeah. the uh, this tool. Yeah. And where can they find scheme designers? Well, that I can find easily at schemedesigners.com. Yeah. So. Schemedesigners.com. We love hearing about your work and your and your company, um, but you're a, 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 a passionate aviator yourself. And uh, yeah. I'm sorry, did I cut you off? You... No, I have a funny story for you. Okay. So <laughs> tell me your funny story. I want to. I, I heard hear... you mention the Quicksilver. <laughs> yes. So when I was a young bold pilot, uh, I think I had maybe 60 or 70 hours in a Cessna 150, Okay, and maybe a few hours in my father's Aztec, you know, years before, and that was about it. And a friend of mine said, you know, I've got this Quicksilver, and you should come and fly it. <laughs> fly anything. I said, yeah, I'll come and fly it. Quicksilver so being a uh, little, ultralight? A little ultralight with the spoilers okay. controlled yeah. by the stick and the... One seat or two? Uh, one your, seat. Yours was the one seat. Sorry, version. the spoilers were controlled by your foot pedals, and the rudder went by the stick and okay. the elevator yes. by the stick. Yeah. So first we we went into this forest where he hit the plane, <laughs> and he says, "Let me take the plane out." So he pulled the plane out of the trees and it ripped the wing. So he said, "No problem," and he went and got some duct tape. <laughs> okay. And he duct taped the wing, and I'm looking at this guy. Mm, okay. And then he said, I'll fly it over to the baseball field down the road and you can fly it off there. 
Okay. So he hopped it over there, and I said, okay, it flew, so the wing must be fine. I'll go fly this plane. So he told me, he said, never take power away when you're rounding out for landing. Um, he said, if you try and stall it in, it's going to be very hard because there's nothing in the gear. And he said, you know, be careful because the controls work all backwards, you know, your rudder pedals and whatnot. And he sent this no-time pilot off solo on a plane that I've never even thought of flying before. And I remember getting airborne and doing all the things that a new licensed pilot would do. You know, after takeoff checks, there's nothing to check. You just see your feet. And then a full circuit, climbing to 1,000 feet to what I estimated was 1,000 feet, and going on downwind and doing downwind checks. There's nothing to check. And then turning for approach and coming over the threshold of a baseball field at about 700 feet above the ground. And I'm thinking, wow, how do you actually get this thing down? And, and I'm worrying. I'm like, if I slow it down, how do I know when it's going to stall? Okay. I took it up a little higher because I was a cautious pilot, and I stalled the thing. And I noticed just at the point of stalling, my pants stopped flapping in the wind. So I said, right. <laughs> there we go. I'm going to use my pants. As the... <laughs> it took me about five approaches before I finally was able to get it to come down low enough and get the controls working. And then I was so happy to be near the ground, I pulled the power, of course and rounded out and banged it into the ground so hard, I thought my bum was going to fall off. <laughs> and I gave him the plane back, and I said, thank you very much, and I never, ever flew an unconventionally controlled aircraft again. Yeah, there you go. very exciting. I bet. I bet. That's cool. I want to ask you more about uh, uh, some of your personal uh, uh, aviation experiences, but sure. I want to break away here for a second. Where did you go? Oh, wait, I had Carl just a second ago, and now he disappeared. All right. Well, then we'll Carl will be back in a second. Um, your dad was a passionate aviator and, oh, uh, yes. um, and, and had a lot of interesting experiences. Uh, anyone in particular that, that comes to mind that you can share with us about your dad? I have my favorite story. You know, my dad died a couple of years ago, and at his funeral, instead of having a sad funeral, we rejoiced in the things that he'd, he'd done over his life, and I got mm-hmm. to handle the aviation side of it, which is fun because we called him Indiana Joe. And basically everything that could go wrong in an aircraft, except the wing falling off or something like that, has gone wrong with him. And he always seemed to pull a rabbit out of the hat. And, and the most fun one was uh, flying a, an Apache, which he had at that stage. It was an Apache 235. And he was going to sell a mine to someone in Africa. And he went to pick them up in this Apache. And the wife of the buyer said, you know, I'm not getting a plane worry, we've got two engines, I've got a million hours, get in the plane, when I start worrying, you start worrying. And they took off, remembering that the Johannesburg area where they were is already at 5,500 feet, so an Apache is a perfect twin for that. I think single engine altitude is about 3,000 or something like that, so they're flying along and they're heading down towards where, where this mine was, and all of a sudden the one engine just coughs and dies dead. So this woman in the back starts having a heart attack. He says, don't worry. I teach people how to fly these things. We'll go land over there. It's not a problem. And so he headed off to uh, a nearby airport, and he held the altitude as best as he could, as high as he could the whole way. And just before he started reaching that airport, there was another coffin, and uh, lo and behold, the other engine just died. Okay. Okay, now he had a flying brick. Yes. Okay, so... Because it held the altitude, he put the brick nose down and he headed for the runway that was on the horizon. 
he came down there, he said to the guy, my father's a pretty brash person sometimes, he, he said to the guy, listen, I need you to pump the gear down when I tell you, but we're a little far, so we're going to put them down at the last minute, and if we don't get the gear down, if this plane ends up on this belly, I've got a 38, and you're getting the bullet in it. That's the way he would talk. <laughs> and so they came down on final, and they had to stretch the glide just a little bit. And here's where the story gets interesting, because it hasn't been interesting up to now. Oh, no, not at all. He's coming down on final, and he's going to go over the fence and under some wires at the end of this field. And he no looks, worry, don't worry about it. No it's going to be fine. Yeah. He looks to the left, and there's a huge truck coming along the road on the other side of the fence. And he's looking at this truck, and he said, you know, I had a double-engine failure and a twin. I'm making it to a runway, and I'm going to die hitting a truck five <laughs> feet from the runway. And he says, all of a sudden, this truck started S-curving and screeching and nearly jackknifes and stops just short of, of the aircraft part. And he said to the guy next to him, he said, pump. And the way my father <laughs> described it is this guy grabbed the pump and the yeah. and the wheels go clunk and they hit the ground on the runway and they rolled down and came to a stop. And then the truck driver drove in, who was a pretty uneducated guy in darkest Africa, and he said to the guy, why did you stop? And this guy said, oh, you know, I stopped because I saw the windmills were stopped. He happened to notice the plane and he stopped as a result. And my father said, this is the worst thing he ever did. He pulled out 20 bucks and he gave it to the guy. And he says, was that all my life was worth? I mean, this is many years ago. It's probably the equivalent of 200 bucks. But still, it's like, that's what his life cost, 20 bucks. That's the story. But the question is, why did the engines fail? And the answer, everybody says, well, he must have run out of fuel. I mean, what else would cause a twin to lose both engines? And it wasn't. The airplane was fresh out of annual. The one engine, the carburetor wasn't bolted on properly, and it fell off. And the other engine, they left a rag in the back of the nacelle, and the Apache's engines, the air intakes in the back of the nacelle, and eventually it sucked the rag in, and that was the end of the other engine. So he lost two engines for two unrelated reasons on one flight. What's the point of a twin? <laughs> I know. Wow. That's, uh, That's yeah, talk story. about Murphy's Law. If anything can go wrong, everything will go Absolutely. wrong. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, hey, we're joined in the uh, virtual hangar now by uh, another uh, friend of the podcast who's actually, I don't know if you've ever been on the podcast, but sorry, I'm having a coughing thing here. Carl Valeri is with us. Um, I invited Carl to kind of sit in for just a couple minutes for a couple of different reasons. Uh, Carl, first of all, n deserves a great big round of applause for being like the anchor here at, at Sun and Fun Radio oh gosh, this week. It's been fun. You've just been out here on the deck every time I wander by and uh, talked to a whole bunch of interesting people and uh, all that stuff's available in the archive. So uh, people should check that out. Um, you're also, of course, one of the principals of the uh, Stuck Mike Avcast, uh, uh, what I consider to be the second greatest aviation podcast in the world. So... And, of course, the first is UCAP. Well, of course, yes. Um, and uh, the bad boys were trying to convince me, the bad boys of uncontrolled airspace were trying to convince me that you are, in fact, one of the co-conspirators there. Um, I'm not buying uh -oh. it since I didn't hear you, so there, there's that. I'm about that, to be brought out on the carpet, <laughs> ain't I? No, I quite the opposite. That. Quite the opposite. The reason I asked you to come in is I just wanted to... Uh, to <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. This, this is the... the, the 
Jack Choking. That'll be the episode title. Um, you mentioned when I was visiting on your podcast the other evening that you had never received an uncontrolled airspace button, and we just knew no, we had to, we oh had to reconcile this here. I so I just want to officially, button. in a little ceremony here, present you with an uncontrolled airspace <laughs> podcast button. Well, that, that this can... is going out on, on Facebook, Twitter, and all the other things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this on my hat, my That's air very, show very hat. Cool. I really so, do appreciate uh, that. Uh, I, I really like what you guys are doing. It's awesome, and congratulations on. I think it's almost ten years now. Almost uh, ten being, years. Being almost together. nine years. Almost, actually, yeah, nine years. Almost yes. nine years, which I guess is almost. 10 you guys, years. I'm gonna wear this with pride. My uncontrolled airspace button. And, and if you haven't already, you should check out Stuck Mike Avcast. How do people find that? Stuck Mike. Fcast.com. It's really easy. That's Fcast.com. Thank you so much. Thank Carl. you. I appreciate Carl it. Thanks for the button. You're very welcome. Thanks, guys. You're very welcome. Craig, it's just always a pleasure to talk with you. Do you have it? We're starting to run out of time here, but uh, anything you've seen here? Did you get around the show at all this week? I did. Actually, one of the, the most interesting things to look at was when you walk past the Cessna Beechcraft booth. It's a little bit of a thing. Yeah, and you yeah. suddenly see a, a Cessna 206 and a Baron 58 all painted in the same paint scheme. It's hard to wrap your head around when you've grown up with Cessna and Beaches. Two separate companies competing vigorously my whole life, and suddenly there they are together. East Wichita versus West Wichita. Yeah. 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 I, I also have to build an airport in central Wichita. Right through your house. Yeah. So that was uh, an interesting thing to see. We're all the way up to the final day of uh, Sun and Fun 2015. Uh, we've got a few hours left. Uh, what, what are we going to try and accomplish in this last day? We've got another air show, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Jeb. Uh, you're back for the for after a few days away, and uh, you've got a lot to catch up on here. Is there anything in particular that's on your radar? For uh... I want to get a good look at the uh, the Mooney M10, that little two seat trainer they've announced yeah. uh, recently. They have a, I believe it's a mock up over there. And, I uh, don't care. Other than the tail, uh, you wouldn't know it's a Mooney, but it looks uh, like a cool airplane. That and the uh, is it Superior that has the new uh, line of diesel? That I'm not familiar with. Do you guys know about that, yeah. David? Speak. Well. Uh, I think Jeff's probably as knowledgeable as me. I was at the press conference. Uh, they've launched a line of somewhat unconventional diesel engines uh, with horsepower ratings. Uh, they're planning from 100 up to about 500 horsepower. And two pistons share the same cylinder. And the crankshafts are out where overhead cams normally would be. And the pistons come together to create the compression necessary for spontaneous combustion. It's very interesting. Yeah, it is an interesting design. And uh, if they could pull it off, which I think they can, uh, it could shake up the engine world a great deal because they're smaller, they're lighter, uh, and their specific fuel consumption numbers are extraordinary. So Yeah, very interesting. And what they're else? just right out in front of the radio station. Yeah. What else, Jeb? Anything else you're going to check out this? Uh... Um. Yeah, I mean, I've been through all the hangars. I've been through some of the flight line. Want to finish the flight line? Maybe wander through Warbird. Um, check out a couple of other vendors, and, and uh, probably end up calling it a show. If you have an opportunity, take a minute to watch the Breitling team. The Breitling team was really cool. It was a very, very pleasant show to watch. And uh, well, and Jeb and I got to watch a little bit of the subsonics uh, from a nearby location uh, on uh, Tuesday. And if you get a chance to watch that, that's a different cut on a Jet Act. And uh, Jeb and I were both kind of going, what the world is that little thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've, kinda, I've seen a lot of the grounds, and I'll probably kind of use the force and walk around a little bit. One of the things I want to do that I haven't done in a few years is go to the museum. They have a small museum here at, uh, at Sun and Fun, and uh, I want to go and check out what's going on up there at the, uh, at the Sun and Fun Museum. They actually have the museum. They, it's, it's, there's one big building, and then there's like two or three 
sort of outbuildings that have smaller exhibits and, and collections. And so I want to go kind of snoop around there. That would be kind of cool. Um, Craig, I, I don't, whether, don't know whether okay. you're going to let yourself be off of the uh, off of your booth very off, very long, but is there anything in particular you're still yet to see? Well, I have to tell Deb something. When you go look at that Mooney, the little M- M10, it's, it's the first honest aircraft I've seen in a long time when you talk about little aircraft that have two or three or four seats. So you normally see a four-seater. How, how do you mean honest? Well, if you've got a little Cherokee, let's say, and you try to load four guys in there, you're going to visit the trees at the end of the runway. They're a three-seater, and they're honest about it. They can actually carry three people, and they didn't bother with the fourth seat, and they put the third seat in the middle, so the student who's sitting in the back can really take in everything. And I think that's innovative, yeah, that something is a, a little more creative. Obviously, for a, a training honest. aircraft specifically, that's very desirable. Yeah. Quickly, if possible, David, what are you going to do before we're done here? Uh, I get one more stop I want to make in one of the buildings or some avionics that uh, mm-hmm. I want to pick up some information on, and then I'm done. Yeah. We're going to step aside after we're done here and record a quick uh, little daily. We're about to, the three of us are about to part ways for the first time in a while, um, or, or after a week being together for a week, and it's always kind of bittersweet. So uh, we're, we're going to do one more daily that will also go in the stream. Um, but we got to wrap this thing up. They're waving their hands at us. So I just want to say uh, thank you to a handful of people here. A uh, big thank you to, uh, of course, Absolutely big thank you to uh, Dave Shellbetter and the entire Sun and Fun Radio uh, gang who have been uh, helping us out here, and it's just so appreciated, I can't say. Uh, Carl Valeri from Stuck Mike Abcast, thank you very much. Uh, Jim Goldman and Larry Overstreet, the bad boys of, uh, of uncontrolled airspace. Uh, we, we enjoy their company and their friendship, and, uh, and we'll see about the rest of it later on. Craig Barnett of Scheme Designers, it's just a pleasure to have you back. We really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. Love hearing about your work and your stories. They're just awesome. That's, that's a, a terrific thing. Um, and uh, my good friends, uh, Jeb Burnside, thank you very much, Jeb, and uh, Dave Higdon, and I'm Jack Hodgson. David, were you just going to say something? If you want to live long enough to see this year after year, go fly, because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Let's go flying.